Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Weeds in the Wild, our podcast about how policy affects real people's lives. I'm Sarah Cliff, and today I am lucky to be here with my colleague and frequent Weeds guest, Dylan Matthews. What's up? (laughs) And Dylan, you are here to tell us a story about what happens when you try to fix poverty in a radically new way. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, And we're specifically going to talk about a trip I took a little while ago to a tiny village in Kenya where this international NGO is doing a really clever and weird experiment that's kind of going to change the village forever. I talked to this guy. I am Michael Faith. He's one of the researchers who's running this experiment. And he told me about the moment that his organization brought together everyone in this village and told them what was about to happen. So we're all sitting under a white tent. There's no stage. There's no carpet. This is a dirt floor. This is this is just the village with everybody sitting in whatever plastic chairs they can gather. So the guy who's talking here works for the same group as Michael that's doing this experiment. And right here, he's telling these villagers that every single one of them, every adult in the village, is going to get $22 a month, every month, for the next 12 years, no strings attached. So this is basically just free money? That's exactly right. Michael Fay runs a group called Give Directly, and they're testing out a policy called Universal Basic Income. The idea being that everyone in a group gets money. So no strings attached at all. Like you don't have to work or anything. No strings attached, no asterisks, no caveat, just money for free for everyone. And universal basic income is kind of having a moment, not just in Kenya, but in a bunch of places. It's, it's on the news a lot recently. The Finnish government tries paying the unemployed a basic income. Experiments are planned or underway in parts of Europe, Canada, and South America. Mountain View startup Y Combinator is doing a similar project. To pilot a basic income a scheme. A basic monthly income. Unconditional basic income. The universal basic income. That is a whole lot of universal basic income. It's so hip right now. Uh, Barack Obama actually talked about it in an interview with uh, Wired Magazine a few months ago. Whether a universal income is the right model, is that going to be accepted uh, by a broad base of people, you know, that, that, that's a debate that we'll be having over the next 10 years. So I have to say, like, I am a little skeptical Do you see a future where Americans would go for, like, free money for everyone? We're thinking about it way more than we did even five years ago or even two or three years ago. And that's part of what makes this Kenya experiment so exciting. It's one of the first, like, real, true basic incomes that's ever been tried anywhere. And if it works, it's going to have huge consequences, not just in Kenya, but for this whole debate worldwide. So back in the village... Michael is still laying out the experiment. We'll be transferring money to about 25,000 people. Here they're saying that the program will run for 12 years, and the people will get the money using a mobile payment system called M-Pesa that's ridiculously popular in Kenya. So this is like your, your kind of Kenyan Venmo? It's like Venmo if everyone, like your parents, used Venmo. My like, parents do not use Venmo. Right, exactly. My dad uses Square Cash. So like the like like if you're in a really poor part of Kenya, like it doesn't matter where you are. You could be on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere and there will be an M-Pesa stand. Everyone uses it. It's totally ubiquitous. Got it. So it's not like they're like going around each person in this village and being like, 
here's your sack of, a sack of cash or whatever. Right, right. They're not like signing checks to like people don't have banks where they keep their money is in their phones. And if they don't have a phone, uh, you can just buy it with some of the money that they give you. So and where in Kenya is this whole thing taking place? It's in a, a province called Bondo that's sort of in the southwestern part of the country, right by Lake Victoria. Uh, but it's very, very, very poor. So 75 cents a day is not a lot of money in the U.S., but it goes a lot further and is a lot closer to what people make in a year in Kenya. And so when people found out that this was happening, they were pretty ecstatic. So all of this is great, but I'm wondering, and like I wonder this about universal basic income, why... Why cash? Like, why not give out school supplies or goats or things that we know are going to be useful to the people that live in this village? So this is a big debate that happens in development circles and policy circles, just sort of in society in general, which is how much should you trust the poor with cash? Uh, Michael Fay thinks you should trust them a lot. There's actually an enormous body of rigorous evidence that the poor are better at using these resources than many organizations or institutions, that actually trusting the poor to make choices for themselves is often the best thing that we can do. When I visited this village where they're doing the experiment, I met this woman named Jacqueline, whose story really seemed to support this idea. Jacqueline's a mom. She has two kids, and her biggest expense is their school fees. Public school in Kenya isn't free. So in the past, she says, NGOs would try to help by giving her things. They would give one book and one pencil. But she doesn't need books and pencils. She needs money. Uh, Her husband lives and works in Nairobi, and he sends what he can, which isn't that much. If he sends a lot, it's 500. Sometimes he calls to say things are not going well, so he sends something like 200 Kenyan shillings. That's not enough to live on. And Jacqueline says she skips meals sometimes, which is dangerous because when we talked, she was pregnant. She says the money she gets from GiveDirectly is all going to go for school fees for her son. My dream is to educate my son because I didn't have the opportunity. Her son, Tony, actually came home from school while we were talking and let himself into the house. He came out again to talk to us, but like carefully tucked his school shirt into his pants so it looked neat first. He has very good manners. What do you want to be when, when you grow up? Engineer of road. But to become a road engineer, he needs to stay in school. And Jacqueline's decided that's what she wants to focus on. And she has all this cash now to put toward that goal. I would rather deny myself a few things, but enable my son to go to school. I understand for Jacqueline, this makes sense, right? Like, it's easier for her just to spend this money than take whatever they might give her. And it would probably be, like, very logistically hard for Give Directly to canvas the neighborhood and ask everyone what they needed. But it kind of raises this uncomfortable question in my mind. Like, what if Jacqueline isn't telling the truth? Or what if there are other people who who just want to spend this money on, like, other things that I don't think nonprofits are generally in the business of supporting? Right. And this is actually something that's discussed a lot in the village itself. And in particular, this guy named Kennedy, who I met, who's the village elder, which is not just sort of a term of art. It's like literally his job. We are telling them, no, try your best to use the money appropriately. He's kind of hard to hear. But what he's saying is that he tells people in the village to try their best to use the money they get appropriately. What are, what are some, some bad ways that you worry people might use the money? People can go for alcohol. Uh, drugs. 
the evidence is just really, really weak that if you give people cash, it will be misspent. This is Jishnu Das from the World Bank. He works on vulnerability and poverty in low-income countries. And conveniently, the World Bank just did a big roundup of studies on what people spend money on when they're given cash. We don't see them buying more temptation goods. We see them buying things that make lives better for their families, more education, more food. And there isn't much evidence that giving people cash makes them, you know, stop working or become lazy or anything like that. If anything, there's some indication that people spend more time unemployed to get a better job that's a better match for their skills and interests. Cash is really helping them build up their businesses or build up their small scale work that they're doing to the extent that they can make it more profitable. There's been a lot of research on this and especially a lot in the last 10 or 15 years. What makes the Kenya study different is it's not conditional on anything. They're not only giving you money if you enroll your kids in school or something. And it's to everyone. Everyone in the village is getting it. And the universal part is really new. So that raises another question for me, which I think basically is like, why? Like, why give everyone the same amount if the need for help is not universal? So for one thing, as you mentioned, this is a really poor part of Kenya. And so even the richest person in the town isn't that rich and probably below the U.S. poverty line. And I'll actually let him speak for himself. It's a guy named Samson. He lives in this big compound. His wife has her own greenhouse with two employees. And I asked him, do you know what you're going to spend that money on? Right now I'm trying fish caging in the lake. Mm. I was lacking money to buy feeds. So he's saying he wants to use the money he gets from Give Directly to buy fish feed so he can raise tilapia in a nearby lake. As you can see... He's whipping out a catalog of fish feed and explaining to us all the different prices for the feed he's considering getting. The feeds are very, very expensive. You can see from here. You can see from here. So, Sarah, like I said, Samson is not a rich man by Western standards, and he doesn't feel rich. We are all poor. Me inclusive. I'm not rich. But he's got this farm with employees, and his wife has employees. I asked Jacqueline if she had any money in a bank, and she basically laughed, like she has no money left over after paying for food and school fees. And that's not true with Samson. And as he points out, that can lead to more money in the future. Our fish cage. I had to look for loan from them. They had to give me. So before he could even worry about the fish feed, he needed to get a fish cage to put the feed in. And so the bank loaned him money for that. They give directly also <laughs> boosts me a little bit. Huh? So the give directly money, for context, will basically double Jacqueline's income. But Samson is just getting a boost. One argument that the give directly team brings up is that giving it to everyone in the village sort of keeps the peace. Anytime you provide something to a subset of a community, the natural fear is that there will be jealousy, there may be tension. And also, if everyone's getting something, they might be likelier to work together. Where you might expect them to invest in a road together, maybe they dig a well together. We heard this kind of thing from Kennedy, the village elder. What can we do with 20 shillings to to talk about the roads, to have uh, the water He says he hopes each person in the village will chip in about 20 shillings, which is about 20 cents, to improve the roads or pay for water to be delivered. So maybe that'll happen or maybe it won't. Um, But instead of coming up with theories, the Give Directly folks kind of want to see how it plays out. So when will we actually have a sense of if the Give Directly pilot is, is working or isn't? 
Well, the experiment is running for 12 years, so we'll have the final results then. But even in a couple of months, things have started changing around the village. We sent Oliver, our uh, stringer who's based in Nairobi, back to check up on some of the people that we met. Samson is doing well and bought the fish feed he needed, and Jacqueline gave birth to her baby. My baby boy is called Divoko Chiem Rodi. And uh, how is Tony doing in school? Very well. She's spending the money pretty much according to plan. I've been taking the money for school fees. And she's done some other things to provide for her kids. I bought for Tony shoes for school. He didn't have even shoes. But other than that, her life hasn't changed a whole lot. Remember, she used to skip meals. Well, I still skip meals due to weather. It's too hot and dry for her to grow food, and she doesn't buy extra for herself. Wait, but wasn't that the whole point? Like, she would put the money from give directly to school fees, and then the money for her husband. She could spend on other things she needs. Yeah, so her husband hasn't been the best about sending money. She went to Nairobi. Now it is one month and a half. I haven't seen any money from him. Is that because he knows she's getting the give directly money? We don't really know. So he does know that she's getting the money. She she told us that she had mentioned it to him, but we don't know why he's he's been so stingy lately. So if Jacqueline is skipping meals, does she feel like she's better off with the give directly pilot? She does, uh, perhaps surprisingly. I may buy my own things with my money without t- telling somebody that give me, give me. I have my own money. And I can plan for it myself without somebody telling me, controlling me that do this, do this with that money. That's really interesting. It's like a very different relationship than what she's had with money in the past. Like this pilot is still going well for her, even though it doesn't seem to actually be increasing her her net income right now. Right. And I think that's the thing, that she's getting about $23 a month, $23 a month no matter where someone gets it, is not going to magically make them rich. But she does feel really empowered, and she does feel like she has resources that are really hers in a way that she hadn't before. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that's a great appeal of cash, is that it it gives people this radical control over, over the way that they're held. That was our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much to our producer, Bird Pinkerton, and the folks who collected our tape, Joe Posner and Oliver Ochata. We had editing help from Nishat Kurwa and Liz Shelton's here at Vox, and some engineering help from Peter Leonard. You can read a lot more about this on Vox.com, where Dylan has a really long feature story about this Give Directly experiment. And we also have a piece that just came out with some arguments about what UBI would look like in the United States. So you might want to check that out as well. As always, we would love, love, love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you liked about this episode, what you didn't. Tell us where Bird and I should go next. Send us your feedback at weeds at vox.com. And thanks so much for listening. 